There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse, Porter gets up, set Perry! Scoop! Corey Perry! Well, able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. Around his front. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Forever Mighty Podcast. It's Pat and Eddie today. Eddie, what's happening, man? Not much, not much. Nice to be back on the show with some actual news with uh, a couple signings to go over. And obviously we're uh, projecting the lineup for the upcoming season because what, mm-hmm. uh, what else do we have to do right now other than that? <laughs> yeah, four signings. Um, and then, like you said, we got... A bunch of RFAs, UFAs to look at for this team. And if we have some time, if you don't ramble too long about the, you know, the prospects and young guys in this roster, where you think they're going to fit, maybe we get to some NHL news. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. I got a lot <laughs> to say about Trevor Zegers, so we'll see how it goes. And that you already haven't said? Yeah. Hey, there's, you can, there's never enough to say about Trevor Zegers and what he could uh, what he could do for the team cup in this upcoming year. I'm just disappointed we didn't get to see him at all. I mean, I'm disappointed we haven't seen any hockey at all. But I mean, I say that every show, every time we come on the show, or every time we come on a mic, I, I always talk about how much I'm disappointed in uh, this whole virus thing and the league not figuring something out. Yeah, well, I mean that's how it is, right? They're not going to 
they're, they're not going to tip their hands. There's going to be no AHL situation. They're not going to cancel the season until they absolutely have to. Are we at that point, though? I mean, we probably should be, but we're not yet, not quite yet. Um, I don't know what that tipping point is for them, honestly. Like, I, I would have thought they would have already got to that now, but they haven't yet. So we'll see. I mean, it, it's got to be coming soon, you would think, right? Like, I don't see it lasting too much longer before they have to do something. Well, didn't they say, like, what, two weeks ago they were, or a week ago they were going to have news on the draft, Monday or Tuesday? And then we've, yeah. I don't think we've heard anything. No, we haven't heard anything. There's apparently going to be a June draft, but then a lot of executive league executives came out and said that they weren't a fan of having the draft in June. So we'll have to see. I I, I don't think it happens, but you know, just with with um, you know Steve Eiserman coming out and a couple other GMs basically just saying it's a dumb idea. I can't. I can't see it still happening in June. And plus, like, can, if somebody brought up a good point, like conditional picks too. Like, what do you do with that if you still have the season running? Like, how do you, how do you accommodate those conditional picks? Yeah, I mean, like I said, once once this hits June, we got to make a decision. Yeah, <laughs> you no, got yeah, to figure it out. Wait a minute, let's let's hop into the signings because I, I thought two were good, and the other two is kind of like, eh, whatever. You gotta have you gotta have guys to play in the, in the AHL. Well, yeah, I mean, these were going to happen anyway. We still have a lot of guys who need to sign some contracts, but um, no, I guess the, the two bigger ones were Christian Juice signed a one-year, one-way deal for a million dollars, and Brendan Gooley signed a two-year, one-way deal for 800 k per year. Um, not super surprised for Christian Juice. Uh, I got an article coming out on him soon, but... Um, no, he he had a good nine game stint with Anaheim. I mean, you know, over those nine games, he was their best defenseman, right? So you 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 can't really you can't really argue this signing. You know, I'm I'm glad he's coming back. I think he might be able to squeeze to a top four role next year. It's going to be tough. Obviously, you've got Fowler, Lindholm, and Manson went healthy, locking up three of those spots. But Good Branson, if he's healthy, he could be in the mix for that because because of his chemistry with Fowler. But I think Christian Juice has a, a at least a good chance to make the Ducks roster and then also get some good power play time just based off his play last year. Yeah, those are all like I mean every every single deal we're going to talk about here. Those are player friendly one way deal. Those guys get paid the, the you know the NHL amount whether they're in with the Gulls in San Diego or whether they're up at the big club here in Anaheim. But Kristen Juice, I, I don't understand. I see some people online say he's maybe a, you know, a fifth defenseman on this team. And I'm like, I don't really see how they can make that assumption from him. I think basically what we've seen from him when he played, he was definitely one of the better players on the team. Yeah, he was. He was. I mean, when he was here for those nine games, and yes, Fowler was injured, and Lindholm played one game, and I think Mance only played six or seven games, so... You know, he had a lot of opportunities to come out and, and be a top player for this team. But he still was the only player in, when you look at uh, Corsi percentage and, and his Ooh, stats, stats, he was the only guy above 48%. And he had 52%. And you just look at the, his numbers, three points over those games, he ended up scoring his first goal with the Ducks, and, and just played a solid, good transition game, which we really haven't seen from the Ducks and only, I guess, when Cam Fowler was fully healthy and a guy who could get clean zone exits and then also kind of push the play offensively. So, again, yes, he was given, you know, an immense opportunity over those nine games with, you know, four, three of the four Ducks' top defensemen being out, but he still 
didn't squander that opportunity. We've seen a lot of guys squander those opportunities when mm-hmm. Lindholm and Fowler and Manson have been on the lineup. Jakob Larson hasn't kind of the bill when he's been given those opportunities. So, you know, for Christian Juice to do that, uh, I have no problems with, uh, you know, I, I would have been fine if this was a two-year deal. I think for Juice, it's probably better it's a one-year deal because if he comes out next year and can play like that over, you know, 50, 60 games, then he'll probably earn himself a bigger contract. No, hundred percent. I was I was super happy with this deal. Um, like I said, you always want a player that's good to be here longer, but that was that was a good choice by by Juice to sign just a one year deal to make the most of it and see what he can come back for. Um, the Gooley deal. How do you feel about him going in tears on this deal? Uh, which obviously nothing's permanent. He could be traded or moved or whatever, but he hasn't really proven. Uh, from basically what his skill set should be, that he can actually stick with that at the NHL level. Do you do you see him fitting into this lineup? I don't know because I mean he was one of the big pieces of that Brandon Montour deal, and um, you know he just really hasn't lived up to the bill. I, I thought he was good with Fowler the first kind of quarter of the season he played after that trade. I think we all thought he was really good, and then we didn't really see him last year. Spent a lot of time with San Diego and couldn't get things going that well down there either. He wasn't bad, but every time he got called up, it just the same. And maybe that's because he wasn't put with Fowler and, and he wasn't given the same opportunities and the Ducks were so bad last year that you know maybe that's the case. But th- this is an interesting deal for sure. I mean, two years at 800K, like all of a sudden next year, if he breaks out and becomes the defenseman, you kind of hope he's going to be it's closer to that. You've got another year of him being at uh, 800k where you've got a, a nice team control there and, and you know maybe this is him banking on himself over two years that he mm-hmm. can get to the level he wants to and, and i think the interesting thing about all three all four of these deals we're going to get to they're all one-way deals as well so if these guys do play in san diego for the entire year it's detrimental to the organization in the sense that they're gonna have to pay them this nhl salary no matter what right so that's what i was saying it's a player-friendly deal when it comes when you're talking about money yeah. They're all making money there, which I think this to me kind of signals that that these guys is are going to play in both in both cities. So they're going to play here, they're going to play there, right? It's just might as well have them on the cap, because, yeah. like the cap it like that, because we're probably going to be spending a lot of in Anaheim. Um, and the players, you know, they I think they all would like, but I mean, paid the money they think they should. I mean, these are really all show me deals. You want to make more, so especially. If you want to go to the next one, you want to go to to Hockenpah or Carrick? Uh, we'll go to Hockenpah because I think out of both of those guys, he's probably the guy that we'll see more NHL time mm-hmm. just because of the the, the log jam out forward this year. But uh, yeah, Hockenpah is an interesting one because preseason wasn't great to him and was one of the main reasons he spent the majority of the year in San Diego. But when he finally got recalled, he actually looked pretty good. And and again, I don't know if that is because. You know, when you look at who was out of the lineup again, same for Christian Juice, that maybe he got a better opportunity to kind of play in better situations than he normally would on a bottom pairing when everybody's healthy. But I, I think he at least earned himself another contract, and, and I'm fine with this. I mean, he'll probably spend half the year in Anaheim, half the year in San Diego if things go well for him. Um, realistically, I think he probably plays anywhere from 10 to 20 games, and all of that depends on injuries for the Ducks. 
Yeah. Um, and, and again, it also depends on who they bring back because we'll get into it a bit later. But there are some defensemen who still have to sign contracts. They're un- uh, pending unrestricted free agents, so that could also throw a wrench into the mix and and some put some bodies in front of Hackenpah, making the Ducks on a regular basis. But I, I I still want to see more from him, so I like the contract because I I think you know coming over from playing in Europe for so long, you still have to kind of get adjust to the North American game again. Uh, and, and I think he can be a solid bottom pairing defenseman for the Ducks or a bottom pairing defenseman in the NHL. I just think he needs more time, and, and hopefully, you know, he got enough playing time this year and can come in next year and at least play, you know, kind of a Kubernetes type role for the Ducks. That's what you're going to look at for him. I mean, I know we weren't really impressed the very first time we saw him in a Ducks uniform, but uh, his recent time was much. And I think you're right. You hit the nail on the head with him taking up the Corbinian holes. He's just going to be a fifth defenseman, sixth defenseman on this team. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that in him being that type of player. The Ducks are always going to need guys who can fill those roles, right? So it's 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 a matter of time, I think, before you know one guy beats another guy out. You still got guys like Jakob Larson, and if Delzato comes back, and and we already mentioned Gouli and Christian Juice are going to be fighting for those spots. So it's it's a matter of time before one of those guys wins out and, and takes that full time job. Yeah, and the, and the Sam Carrick thing is, is just always been a head scratch for me. This guy is basically past few seasons, almost a, or past couple of seasons at least, he's what a point per game with the goals. I mean, he, he was I think one of the leading scores on that team, one of the leading scores of their playoff run. Um, this this work out halted. He had forty three points in forty six games, so he can score there. But he whenever he comes to Anaheim, he's I think he's he's got five points in thirty four. So he's just some made that been able to make that next step. So I, I think this is more of a goal signing overall. Yeah, no, I, I, I can see that. I mean, Sam Carrick, again, it's a one-way deal, so there's incentive for the Ducks to keep him up whenever they can. Uh, well, one thing I'd be interested in, in in this is, does the way this deal structure hamper the Ducks bringing a guy like Derek Grant back as the fourth-line center? Like, maybe this is Sam Carrick getting his shot as the fourth line center, I wouldn't hate it. I mean, we all love Derek Grant and, and what he could bring to this team, what he's brought to this team when he's here. Ah, Bobby said he's bringing Grant back without saying he's bringing Grant back. Could for sure, but in, in the end, I mean, Grant, Derek Grant holds all the cards, right? If he, well, wants, it's not like he's it's not like he's winning a Stanley Cup this year. <laughs> for sure, no, 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 for sure. And and I I don't I don't think he wouldn't want to come back here. I have no reason to believe he wouldn't want to come back, but. You know, there are other teams who are going to offer him contracts, and maybe the Ducks don't offer the contract that works best for him. And, and maybe they're, you know, this Carrick deal, the way it's structured, could be them just kind of covering their asses in case they can't get Derek Grant back or they, there aren't any better options that they want to go to and get. So I, I think, you know, and, and I wouldn't hate it either if Sam Carrick was the fourth line center this year and he centered Delorie and Rowney. Like that's. It's not too much of a drop off, and I think I think the way Carrick's played for the Gulls, he's probably earned it at least. You know, to at least get that chance to come in and be that guy. And it's if there is a downgrade, it's not that much of a downgrade from Derek Grant. Sorry to mute my mic for a minute. Yeah, no, I don't think it's a downgrade as much as I would. I think that Derek Grant's just a better fit on this team. Oh yeah, and for I think sure. he's, he's gonna he's gonna play a lot better. Uh, he's he's always been that penalty kill guy, right? He had a bunch of shorthanded goals <laughs> from the season. So I think that um, you got to bring a fan favor back, man. I could ramble about him a lot. I think he should come back. 
Yeah, he comes in. In uh, we have a discussion about some possible free agents Ducks go could go out and get. And he he kind of comes in a discussion, but when we're talking about who guys who have already signed, we also have to go in and mention some of the guys who still have to sign contracts. There's a few of them, about four or five RFA's and a couple of UFA's that uh, still left to sign. So we'll quickly run through these here. You can speculate uh, if you think they'll be signed and kind of what that that structure is going to look like. They're fairly easy, but first one up is Sonny Milano. He made 875k last year. He's pending RFA this year. Uh what do you think what do you think he ends up getting? You know, one two years kind of around the same money. I think he's going to get a two year a two year deal probably. Um and I don't think he blew anybody's skirt up in the in his time here in Anaheim so far. Had a couple of good plays, but um he brings that speed game that they're looking to play and it'll be interesting to see if there's if he's going to be the guy that's going to stick around purely because of all of the prospect talent that we're going to be talking about here a little later, that's going to be trying to log jam in the forward group. So it'd be interesting to see what Bob Murray does about that. But I think if he does come back, it's going to be a short term and about similar money. So many of these guys are going to be on prove it deals. We've already mentioned that this is kind of on a prove it deal. Gooley is on a two year, but it's still a prove it deal. Same with Hackenpah. So I think, I think Sunny is going to be the same. I think the ducks would like to get him at two years under a million, around 800 K just like what Brendan Gooley got. I think a similar contract to that is what the Ducks would be looking for. I'm sure Milano probably would want a one-year deal. You know, maybe he wants the the safety belt for a two-year deal, but I think he believes he's a better player, former first-round pick. He's got all the confidence in the world to believe that he's a better player than what's transcribed over his career so far. So I I can't see it being more than a two-year deal. I think a one or a two, probably under a million dollars, is what Milano's going to get. And uh, it's all up to him if he's going to stick around with the Ducks this year. He had a, a nice kind of end to his season coming over at the trade deadline, but it's all going to change uh, at the start of this year if he's actually going to you know, play with Getzlaff. That's the big thing. He played with Getzlaff. So is he going to get yep. a chance at the beginning of next year? We'll have to see. Yeah, and we'll see how Getzlaff is next year too. So another yeah. year. Didn't get to finish the season. You know, we'll see what we, This is going to be the, the craziest start to a hockey season next year if they don't play anymore. It's going to be crazy. These guys are going to be off forever. Rinks yeah. have been closed. I mean, I know they can work out at home and they got like special facilities. Some of these guys at their house, I'm sure. But for the majority of the players in the league, man, that's a long layoff. Yeah. No, especially for a lot of these guys that, uh, you know, are normally used to working out during the summer. Um, you know, guys that uh, start their routines early. I'm sure Ryan Getzloff is one of those guys. So, and, and then if the season gets pushed back to December as well, right? Didn't he? Didn't used to be in chicklets. They said, yeah, he took off his skates and then didn't put it back on until training camp one year. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I'm not super surprised. I guess at this point, probably early on, he was a guy who'd be working out all summer. Then once you get to the point where you're the captain and, and the go-to guy on the team, you can probably take take the summer off and come back and not not worry too much about it. You want to run through some of these guys too, because I think a lot of them are, like I mean, Jacob Larson, yeah, Larson, Delzato, Irwin. Larson's an RFA. Delzato and Irwin are, are UFAs. I think Larson comes back. He's an RFA. You can bring him back for literally like this, the kind of the same deal that maybe Juice has because Larson's kind of been around and played some more games, something around that. Like it'll be like between I think a one year deal between like one or one point five. I can't see it being any more than that. He, he hasn't proven no. that he's worth more than that. Uh, but maybe you know, maybe it's more a two-year deal or a three-year deal, depending on on what. I think Larson's a bit different than Gooley. 
uh, and juice in, in terms of not only his age, but um, what he's shown for the Ducks so far and maybe the, the promise that hasn't been fulfilled. Maybe he's just looking to kind of stick around and, and be that uh, bottom six pairing defenseman. Yeah, I mean, would you take him over Delzato and Irwin? Yeah, purely because I, I I still think there's some potential there that that he, he could tap into and be a better player. I think he's better than Matt Irwin, um, and, I, and I think it's fairly close between him and Michael Delzato. And if you're picking who you'd rather have, would you rather have a 30 plus Michael Delzato or you know a guy who I think I think Larson's only 23 or 24. Like you know, he could just be a late bloomer. There's there's time for him to become a better player, and I don't I don't think the Ducks should give up on him yet. It's not like he's demanding three million, and you got to make right. a decision there. Like it's going to be one at most, maybe one point five. Um, so it's not breaking the bank to bring him back. No, and I, yeah, I would take him over the other two guys for sure. What about Ryan Miller? You think he's coming back? That's I think he's him. done. I, I think I, he's if, done. If he's done, then. Like he's not going somewhere else. I, I think no, no, he gets retired time. He's forty. Yeah, it's not like he can even go to a, another California team and and try and win a Stanley Cup because they're all bad. Like it's not like he can go to L.A. or or San Jose and hope to win a cup. I mean, you know, we talked about it at the trade deadline. San Jose probably would have been a great spot for him uh, mm-hmm. to try and get them back in the playoff hunt and for them to have a reliable goaltender and, and a chance at a Stanley Cup and then also not move too far away from home, that probably would have been the best bet for him. But the fact that he hasn't moved two deadlines in a row, I think Anaheim's probably his only spot that he wants to stay, or I guess L.A., but both teams are bad. So, um, it, you know, I, I I think the Ducks will try to bring him back, but if he's done, then then there's no way he's coming back. I, I, just, don't, I just don't see him coming back. I think he's done. Like He's going to hang him up. He's still got it, though. Like He still has it. Yeah, he he can year. right. I just I just wonder uh, what kind of Ryan Miller we're gonna get for next season. I just wonder if that's gonna be worth it for the Ducks at that point. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's not like they're gonna be challenging for the Stanley Cup next year either. So if he wants to come back and and just kind of still play and make some money, then I think the Ducks will bring him back. I still think he's a top ten backup in the league the way mm-hmm. he's he's performed. I mean, obviously, there there are some backups out there who are now who are kind of like 1B starters when you look at guys like Halak and, and Hudobin. So he's not quite at that level because he's not playing that many games. But I still right. think I still think he's... Uh, I still think he has. Like, I still think he can play at this level and be an effective backup goalie when you use him in the right situation. So we'll have to see. I think it, ultimately it's his decision and whether he wants to hang him up or, or come back for another year. And then you look at uh, Patrick Ease coming off the books. That poor guy's career, man. Yeah, I feel bad for him. I mean, if, if even if he was healthy, I don't think the Ducks would bring him back just because there's so many young players coming into the lineup, and you're not going to fill a hole with uh, you know a guy who's like 33, 34 and has had as many issues as Patrick Ease has had. But the money coming off the books is going to be nice. I mean, it's it's not well, even... especially because it's the big year for Corey Perry's numbers. Yeah. Corey's Perry, Corey Perry's next year is six point six. Yeah, and on that the pretty cap. much it cuts that in half, which is nice. And it's not like yeah, the the Eves contract coming off the books is a huge relief because they were using it in some cases for LTIR already. So it's you know about three million dollars that they have to play with, and like you like we already said, it kind of gets absorbed by that Corey Perry buyout hit. But it, it does give them some flexibility in terms of a little bit more money to play with. And obviously, Kessler still will be on the LTIR, so they'll have that to kind of work with for this year, too. But I, I don't really see them trying to push towards the salary cap. There's no point for them to, to try and do that for next year. 
No, and I mean Kessler's on that cap, I think, for two seasons next year and the year after. Yeah, yeah, he's he's still on there for a while, and uh, I think he's paid a lot of money to be a uh, a junior host, a, a junior well, hockey yeah, coach, and a podcast junior hockey host. coach. Yeah, there, there's no way he comes back. I mean, he's he's hung him up without actually officially hanging him hanging him up. He's, he's yeah, moved no, back he's... to Michigan. Like he's at home. He's pretty much done. I don't. I don't think he's he, toast. I think he makes a return. Uh, the interesting two, I think, for me, Kiefer Sherwood and Troy Terry. Um, mm. Troy Terry is the more interesting one. I think Kiefer Sherwood. I think they both resign. Like I don't. There's there's no question I don't, that the Ducks are going to want to bring these guys back. I think. I think for sure what he could go a little bit longer term. He's a bit older and you know what you're going to get with him. So maybe it's, you know, two or three years for Keith for sure. just to keep him around at a, a, a nice cap hit and he can bounce between the AHL and the NHL. But for, for Troy Terry, that would be the interesting one because out of all these players we've mentioned, he's probably the one with the most promise and, you know, is he going to want a one year deal? Is he going to want two or are the ducks going to try and push him a bit more to, to kind of keep him under a nice controlled cap hit because we're all waiting for Troy Terry to break out and become, yeah. you know, a top six winger for the Ducks. You know, whether that happens next year, two years, three years down the road, I think that's going to come and kind of come into these contract discussions. I, I think out of all of them, this one probably takes the longest to figure out what works both best for both uh, the player and for the Ducks. Yeah, I think Troy Terry is going to come back, but I think it's going to be another short term deal. I just don't see him getting long-term here at all. I just don't see it. Yeah. No, he, has, I, he hasn't proven it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I think one or two years is, is both good for Terry and for the Ducks. Um, obviously, two would be a bit better for the team. Mm-hmm. You know, if, he, if he comes out next year and, and gels with you know whoever it is he plays with, whether it's Steele or Getzlaff or if Trevor Zegers makes the team and, and things go well and he finally breaks out, then – you know, one year deal isn't looking as nice as having him at two for under a million dollars. But yeah, I, I can't, I can't see any of these contracts surprising us in length or value. Um, Terry's will be the most interesting in terms of what what he wants and what the Ducks want. Yeah, I mean, Sherwood's going to play because he's going to bounce between the like you said, you know, the two cities. But but Terry, yeah, short term, low money deal. He's he's going to have to prove it, just like the other guys we talked about. Yeah. All right, let's move on to – we've already talked about some of the the young players. Obviously, Terry has to sign a contract. So does Jakob Larson. Um, I'll blow through the names here quickly because we'll bring them up later. But when you talk about a log jam at forward and, and some of these guys coming from the CHL this year and or who did well in the AHL last year are going to find it tough to, to make the Ducks team. Like you, Right now, I think when you look at the lineup, like Getzloff's obviously a lock. Danton Heinen's probably a lock. Raquel Henry, Silverberg, Sam Steele, and you would assume Delore and Rowney would be locks for the fourth line, or at least most of the time would be in the lineup. That leaves you two spots on left wing, one spot on right wing, and one spot at center. And you look at some of these young guys, like Isaac Lindstrom and Maxim Kumtra, Troy Terry, Max Jones, uh, Trevor Zegras, who signed his entry-level contract, who he'll be looking to get some some time with the Ducks, and Benoit Olivier Gru, who just was named Defensive Player of the Year in the QMJHL, and he'll, he'll be coming over to San Diego and obviously be eligible to play for the Ducks if, if he does well enough. Like, you've got six or seven guys there who aren't locks in this lineup who are going to be fighting for four spots. It's kind of a, a good thing for the Ducks to have here, but you can pretty much – oh, i got the clock going off down here where I'm at. <laughs> pretty much have to put 
um, Trevor Zegers in the lineup. You have to. So there's really only three spots. Yeah, but so we'll, we'll get into that now with with Zegers. We talked about this before, and you look at the the, the history of the Ducks when bringing in center prospects into the organization. It maybe doesn't always pan out. Ricard Raquel drafted as a, a center winger, but was primarily a center. The Ducks tried him. They they tried as much as they could for him to be a center. I mean, I remember that. He played two or three seasons at center, and they always put him at center. It just didn't mm-hmm. work out for him. He just wasn't a center, and it happens. There's guys who are centers and junior, and a lot of times they just can't get that position nailed down, and they move to the wing, and it's been successful for Ricardo Raquel for so long. But Sam Steele, Isaac Lindstrom. Isaac Lindstrom was brought out of the draft. He came in and surprised everybody in his first year and played a couple of games for the Ducks. They played him at center. They didn't even try and yep. shift him to the wing. So when you think of Trevor Zegers coming over, he's going to play center. They're not going to put him. I, I would be really surprised if they tried to play him on the wing before they played him at center. And I think the only problem with that is, is you've already got Getzlaff, Henrik, and Steele. And, you know, we've seen Henrik move to the wing. We've seen Steele move to the wing. I don't think they want to move Steele to the wing because I think the aim for him is, as, as a young player is to keep him at center. So the only way I think you, you put Trevor Zegers in the lineup here is you've, you've got a couple options. You play him on the wing, and you, you kind of move away from that tradition where you play center prospects at center. You move Henrique to the wing, and you play Trevor Zegers as a second or third line center, or you play him as a fourth line center. You know, those are your really the only options you have to, to put him into the lineup. If he's gonna play, it's he's gonna have to slot in at center and move Henrique. I really feel like you're gonna see Henrique bump down uh, down the lineup from this. I mean, Steele's already playing third or fourth line center, and he's not. He hasn't been playing fourth. I mean that we know that role's been been reserved for Derek Grant when it's his time here. Um, and when he comes back, that'll be his spot because you know he's coming back. Um, but it's a tough thing for the Ducks to look at. They're gonna have to make some moves because you can't hold these kids back forever. You got to give them time. Yeah, and and maybe that happens at the draft. We've heard teams have been interested in Ricardo Raquel, and and you know we've advocated in, in not trading him at this point. But I mean, he's he had a bad year this year. But I mean, hey, that happens. Yeah, it, and you know at this point, you know, can you trade Jakob Silverberg? You know, maybe you look into that. Maybe you don't. They just did resign him. Should have done it last year. They should have done it last year. Exactly. They should have done it. Like you, you should have been able to see this coming that's it's not like any of these prospects are new to the system like you knew Zegers was likely going to come at the end of this year you knew you know Jones Comtois Terry are going to be fighting for spots then you add in guys like Danton Heinen and Sonny Milano who will also be fighting for spots and there's just not enough spots left like I, I think there's some easy guys you can say are probably not going to make the roster unless they well I think Benoit Olivier grew coming right from the CHL, the Ducks are going to put him in San Diego to start the year. Unless yep. he wows at camp, which he's not a flashy player where he's going to wow at camp, he, he's probably the best defensive prospect the Ducks have. And eventually I think he's going to be a key part to you know whenever the Ducks get back to contending again. But when you have Steele and Henrik and Getzlaff and Lindestrom in front of you and Trevor Zegras, I, I can't see him making it. So that's an easy scratch for me. I think when you look at some other guys, um, not young players, but just some other players like Andrew Agazino is still around. You know, he probably becomes that thirteenth forward, or you know, I don't see him spending too much time in the, in the AHL, but he probably becomes that thirteenth guy where he rotates in and out with whoever the Ducks have as that fourth line center, whether it's Sam Carrick or if they bring Derek Grant back. I mean, isn't it pretty much going to be Jones come to fighting for those three extra spots after Zegers? I mean, that's you would, you would think so, but you know. 
Kiefer Sherwood. I, I think he has a long shot probably to make it. He likely because of his history, he starts in San Diego and, and gets called up for injuries. That's kind of been his role. Uh, David Backus, where you, you know, is he the fourth line center? I think he probably no, has an inside edge. He's he's the trade to a dumpster fire or a buyout or a something. Yeah. They need well, to, they need to call buy, Toronto and figure out how to put him on. You're not buying out David Backus with one year left. You're buying out somebody <laughs> else. But. Of course. Of course. But we I could all dream that Backus, uh, Backus is the, not on this team. He probably has the inside edge to be the fourth line center just because of how much money he makes. Like, I, don't, <sighs> I don't think they're going to bury that in the AHL. I don't think the owners want to bury that in the AHL and still pay him $4.5 million. To well, they brought him here for leadership qualities, right? I mean, that's. That's what it is. Uh, I think you can scratch Agazino. I think you, as being a, a lock for a starting 12, I think you can scratch Benoit Olivier Grew. He's probably going to get sound, sent down to junior. Uh, if we're pushing Trevor Zegris in and pushing Henry to the wing, then you know what do you do with Isaac Lindstrom? I don't think he comes and plays for Anaheim this year. You think he's back in San Diego? Mm-hmm. I think so. I, I, and and, and I'd, I'd have to agree with that. I, I love his game, but he didn't tear it up for San Diego. And he's not an offensive juggernaut by any means, but he didn't impress as much as he impressed when he was up with the Ducks. You know what I mean? We, you can really see his two-way game when he was up with Anaheim and he was making plays, but then he went down to the AHL, which is a different style of game, and I don't think it necessarily suits him as well. But he just didn't have a great year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think you know they're comfortable in San Diego next year going down the middle with Carrick, Lindstrom, and Benoit Olivier Grew. Like that is a really, really good young starting three centers for San Diego next year, and and you do have some options then, if you know Zegers isn't working out or Henrik or Getzlaff or Steele get injured, you have some fairly good players down there that you can call up and and you know Lindstrom can jump into your top nine and not hurt you. Maybe the offense isn't going to be there the same, but he's at least going to be reliable enough that you can plug him in, and he's going to get things done. I mean, I could really just see it being Comtois and Jones swapping in and out on the third line with Terry on the right side for with Steele in the center. I think that line is going to be what they're going to they're going to flip flop through. Um, Ziggers will play top line minutes. I think he's I think he's going to. Uh, I'm not so sure Danton Heinen's going to be here to start the season. He's going to get traded. I think there's a chance for that. I mean, the, you have to move somebody. You have to you move people to, point, to create space. They need to make a trade. Now, Sonny Milano would go Heinen down is to San Diego, and I don't think anybody would bat an eye. I think no. I think he ha- I think he'll have to earn his his spot in training camp and in preseason. Sonny Milano. I mean, all these guys technically have to if you talk to Bob Murray. Right? There's no well, more. Well, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's he's made it very clear that there's there's you know no one has a stall um, until you come and it's and you've been and you've been told you're in the starting lineup. Like he just that's the way it goes. You got to run through training camp and impress. Yeah, and and I think out of all these guys we talk about in Jones and Comtois and Terry and Milano, I think probably Maxim Comtois has earned that spot more than anybody. The way he dominated at times with San Diego in the latter half of that season, and I think Troy Terry is probably right behind him because like, you put Comtois on the right wing, you put Jones on the right wing, but that's Troy Terry's natural position, and I think it's just such an easy fit to have him in as a second or third line right wing, where. You know, maybe left wing is a bit of a logjam in terms of who you're going to put where. Uh, for me, it, it comes down to, you know, Max Jones. And and if Danton Heinen is here next year, what do you do with Max Jones? Because... That's a tough one, too, because Jones hasn't been super impressive every game either, right? He's taken bad penalties. 
Um, he's been un- unable to finish. Um, he, he's had he's had highlights here and there for sure. Uh, and he's a young kid. He's gonna take it's gonna take time for him to get comfortable. And you know that you know we're a big fan of his on the show. All three of us like him. Um, but he's he's just somebody that really has to come to camp and prove that he earns a spot on this team on a nightly basis because I don't think he necessarily has. Yeah, and and for me, I, I think you know we if if we put Trevor Zegers in, and, and just for sake of argument here, we'll assume Danton Heinen is here next year. So let's just say top line is Getzlaff, Heinen, Henrique. Then you've got you know we'll throw Steele in with Raquel and Silverberg, and then we'll put Zegers with Terry and Comtois. Uh, and then if we're putting Bacchus on that fourth line, that's it. You know, Max Jones doesn't earn a spot. Sandy Milano doesn't earn a spot. Uh, Kiefer Sherwood doesn't earn a spot. I don't think for Milano and Sherwood it's it's detrimental. I, I think, again, just like all these guys will have to earn their spot. I think it could be the best thing for Jones to go down to San Diego and instead of being a role guy, being the go-to guy, and mm-hmm. really seeing if he could dominate, putting me on the top line with, say, Isaac Lindstrom, putting him on the top power play down in San Diego and and starting him in down there at the beginning of the year and and seeing if he can take his game to another level. I think we've seen that with Troy Terry. Troy Terry's done that. He's gone down to San Diego and dominated at times. Maxim Comtois has done that. And in a natural progression that you want from a prospect is if it's not cutting at the NHL level, you want to send them down to the AHL and and see them dominate. We've seen that, like I said, from Terry. We've seen that from Comtois. We haven't seen that from Jones yet. So I think now with if Comtois and Terry make the team, it's time for Jones to go down there and show that he can do that. It's a confidence thing too, right? Like he wants yeah. to play in the NHL. So go down to go down there, tear it up and come back up. And that's easier said than done. I mean, this type of thing messes with players' minds too. Like, oh, now they, I mean, you know, they probably feel like they're all, they're not wanted in Anaheim. It's a it's a whole it's a whole mental game too for these guys. It's so easy for us to sit back and say, oh, just go down there and dominate. If you already made you already made the show, you can go down there and, and tear it up. But yeah. it's not always the case. Just no. And, and and honestly, I think that the the way the AHL game is played, I think that fits Max Jones. I think that fits his style. Like he, oh, just brutal. Same, yeah, he plays a similar <laughs> game to, to Maxim Comtois. We saw Maxim Comtois excel down there. And I think Max mm-hmm. Max Jones plays at that same level, but at another gear. He doesn't quite have the finishing ability that Maxim Comtois has. Maybe the offensive skill, but he has. He's he's a bit quicker of a player, and, and he just plays like a bull in a china shop, and that fits. Mm-hmm. That fits the AHL level. And and do I think he has enough talent to be an NHL player? I think eventually he does. But he needs to go down oh, there yeah. and prove it, I think. He, he needs to go down there and prove that he can be the guy. And he hasn't been given that opportunity really at any level. He's, when he's been with the Ducks, he's been a fourth-line or third-line winger. And when he's been with San Diego, at times he's been on the power play. He's sometimes been on the second line. But primarily he's been used as kind of a middle-six guy with the Gulls. So it would be nice to see him be given top line minutes and, and playing, you know, 18 minutes a night and, and seeing how he does with that kind of responsibility. So where do you want to go with these last, I don't know, 15 minutes or so on the show? Do you want to, I mean, cause I mean, the, the defensive parries are pretty much already said, Lindholm Manson, Fowler, Branson and juice and Larson barring something crazy happening this yeah. off season. That's pretty much what it's going to be. Yeah. Mahura likely, I think Mahura and Gooley likely start with San Diego unless they, I, I mean, it'll be the, you know, the top four are solidified. I think, if Goodbranson's healthy, like it's Lindholm, Manson, Fowler, and Goodbranson, like that's what they're going with. And then it'll be four guys fighting for those bottom two spots. I think, you know, Juice, based off his play in the last half of the season, he's probably earned it. 
But I don't think, you know, when it comes to next October, whenever the next season starts, I think that's kind of all wiped clean. It all depends on how Juice and Larson and Mahur and Gooley look in training camp and, and some of them will still be in rookie camp and how they look in preseason. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of that's kind of decide what uh, what ends up happening to those guys. No, I would agree. I would agree. I like Juice on the team, though. Hopefully, hopefully he's um, he's a starter because I think they need him. Yeah. And then he, Lars definitely than, needs somebody reliable. <laughs> he's you need either one of Juice or Mahura up. I, I I need to see those guys on the power play more. Um, so I think one of them will earn it, and then it'll be between Larson and Gooley, uh, you know, another two way guy on on who takes the role there. Uh, either way, San Diego is going to be stacked. If you think that mm-hmm. Milano could be down there, Jones, Sherwood, Gru, Lindstrom, Mahara, Gooley could be down there. Um, you know, Anthony Stolarz is back. Uh, Lucas Dostal signed an entry level contract. I don't know if he'll come over from the Finnish league. I hope he does because I'd love to see Stolarz and Dostal kind of split minutes uh, in San Diego. But the Ducks also signed Roman Derny and Kevin Boyles at UFA can't see Kevin Boyle coming back just because of the, the goaltenders the Ducks have in their system, including Ole Eriksson Ek. But um, mm-hmm. that will be interesting. Goalie will be interesting. Obviously, the NHL level we'll have to see. Like, if Miller doesn't come back, that that actually could clear the way for a guy like Stolarz to be the backup and for Dostal to get starting minutes in San Diego. I think a lot of it depends on what happens with Ryan Miller. Yep. Uh, I mean, that's kind of, you I mean, no other way to put it. If he's going to sign another contract, then he's he's definitely getting a backup role. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, so our roster, then, our final roster before we move on, uh, we have Getzlaff, Heinen with Henrique, top line, Steele, Ricard, Raquel, Silverberg, second line, Comtois, Terry, Trevor Zegris on the third line, and Delore, Bacchus, and Rowney on the fourth line with Lindholm, Manson, Fowler, Goodbranch, and Juice, and Larson. And then obviously Gibson. I go, I go, De- I go. Delorier, Derek Grant, and Carter Rowney is what I'm going to say. Well, then, be. then we have to get into potential free agent <laughs> signings then to close out this section. Oh, um, well, I, I think that I might threw be together. Some names here. Um, again, I don't think the Ducks are going to be big players in free agency, but I had to throw in some some bigger names if the Ducks wanted to go for it. But before we get into that, let's take a second here to listen to a word from our sponsors. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Uh, we'll start on the lower end. Obviously, Derek Grant is a guy we mentioned. Played with the Ducks last year before being traded to Philadelphia at the trade deadline. 25 points in 56 games played. Made a measly 700K last year. I think he's due for a race, <laughs> probably around 1 to 1.5. And uh, he'd probably be an ideal signing for the Ducks in free agency to bring him back and, and play with Deloria and Rowney. I, I think that would be – he's probably at the top of their list because I don't think they're going to be big players. So he, he he's definitely oh. – I think they're going to aim to, to bring back. Yeah, they're not going to pick up a guy like Mike Hoffman, uh, which would be fun to talk about. But uh, Derek Grant's going to be back in Anaheim sweater. I'm, 
95 uh, percent sure i mean bob murray kind of hinted at it at bobby's breakfast burrito bonanza that i went to um but i i just can't see them getting anybody else that's noteworthy right like it's who else are they going to spend money on right now like just really nobody that's going to put them over the top that makes sense they have a lot of young guys they have to figure out where they're going to fit in their lineup on a day-to-day basis so bringing in a money player it's like they're not ready to contend yet they're just not no, no, I, I don't think so. And I, and I put I put my confidence on this list because it's interesting. If the Ducks want to fun. go out, yeah, if they wanted to go out and they, they'll have some cap space available, and of course they'll have Kessler's LTIR eventually if they want to use it. Like Mike Hoffman playing with Ryan Getzlaff would be nice, but the problem I think with a guy like that is he had a good year, would have been a thirty goal scorer, had twenty nine, but it was a only played sixty nine games, fifty nine points, probably would have finished around seventy points. He'll be one of the premier guys when free agency rolls around. Somebody's going to sign him to a six or seven year deal, I'd think. Mm-hmm. I no, think. I agree hundred percent. I can't see it going longer than that. He's going to get stupid money. Um. Another guy I put on here, uh, former Duck, Sammy Votnin. Now, Ugh. this is assuming that Derek Branson is, is – He makes too much money. Like that. He made 4.875. Now, he's an unrestricted free agent for this year. Had 23 points in 47 games played. Any chance you think the Ducks bring him back? No, he makes too much money. Yeah. I mean, four point eight seven five is a lot of cash. I just can't see them bringing him back an amount of money. Possibly. Hold on, I gotta grab my laptop charger. <laughs> I did not. Oh, I was like, "What's happening here?" My like, head's been like in and out with this conversation here. Yeah, if any of you guys listening think that Sammy Votnin is coming back, or you wanted to come back, there's just no reason. I mean, twenty three points in forty seven games. Sure, that's nice. You know, he's a, he's a scoring defenseman and all. But for almost $5 million, I just can't see the Ducks spending the money on that. And, you know, like Eddie just said, Erica Branson would have to leave, essentially, in order to make that worth it. Um, Eddie's also got uh, Michael Granlin on here, $5.75 million, 30 points in 63 games. Just too much money for that. I just can't see. I mean, what, do you want you want a 45-point guy and, get, and pay him that much money? I just... There's too many young players on this duck scene that we just talked about. So looking at these possible free agents, it just doesn't make sense in Anaheim right now. They have, they, I think they're going to take the next year or so to, to really see what they've got in their bag of prospects and to really see if you know which ones they want to keep and which ones they don't want to keep and, and you know the guys that are going to be you know the cream of the crop and, and rise up and, and make a name for themselves on this roster. Then then they're going to get more of an idea of what they're contending window might look like with this with this young group but they really need to figure out what they have first before they go out and spend any big money yeah no they they have to it's tough right like you you can't even really look at freedoms this year because we already talked about there being no roster spots available for anybody for any of the young that's what i just that's what i was just saying before you came back on i was like they've really got to take a look at their their uh, their bag of prospects and figure out who's going to stay and who's going to go in the next year or two and then look at what their cup window is going to look like based on what they have. There's no use in bringing in a $5 million guy. No, for sure. And I put some interesting names in here like Mikel Granlin, who's going to probably get less than the 5.75 he made before, only had 30 points in 63 games. That experiment with him in Nashville just hasn't panned out for him. And this is a guy who scored close to 70 points back-to-back seasons for Minnesota before he got moved. Now, if the Ducks had a room for a player like that, then I would say yes. But clearly there's no room at center, and you could try pushing him to to the wing. But 
It, do, it doesn't make sense unless you've already moved players out. Like, unless Danton Heinen mm-hmm. is gone or you've moved on from a guy like Max Jones, then maybe you go out and get a player. But again, like, why would you move on from a younger player to bring in a guy like Mikel Granlin or, nah. or Mike Hoffman or, you know, some of the names I put on here were like Connor Sheary and Josh Levo, who maybe make a bit less money. The the interesting position for me, and maybe the only position I could argue spending some money on, on the back end, um, is, is, is on defense. So we mentioned Sammy Vaughton, um, you know, one guy who I, he probably doesn't even hit free agency, and when he does, he's going to get paid more than the $5.25 million he made before, uh, is Tory Krug at 49 points yeah. in 61 games played. I can't see how Boston doesn't find a way to re-sign him. They'll they'll move some guys out to make room for that. They already moved David Backers out. To. To the Ducks to make room to bring Tory Crew back, um, but if he was to hit free agency, like this guy is going to get paid, he's going to get paid seven to eight million dollars over a six year term. And and if I, if I was to pay anybody in free agency that money, I would pay Tory Krug that money. Like the Ducks could yeah, use he's a, a good defenseman like Tory Krug. Puck oh my god, and you, you name, and name a name a team that doesn't want him, right? There's yeah. there's thirty other teams that want him. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, if they could somehow make it happen, uh, e- even with the Ducks not being contenders right now, I think you would have to go for it. Um, it's just, unfortunately, it's not going to happen. Like, it's just, no, it's not happening. <laughs> and, and maybe, you know, hopefully down the road when the Ducks are contending again, a player like Tory Krug, an offensive defenseman, becomes available in free agents just so they can actually go out and get one, unless they draft a guy like Jamie, Jamie Drysdale at the draft for this year. Uh, but it's hard to get, you come across these guys. Like you, you know, most of the guys I have on this list are offensive defensemen because the Ducks just don't yeah. have one. Guys like Tory Krug and Sammy Vatanen and Kevin Shattenkirk, who they tried to, to get at the beginning of the year and didn't get, and and Eric Gustafson, who didn't have a great year with Calgary but had two really good years in Chicago where he was putting up a ton of points. Like they're all offensive defensemen because guess what? The Ducks just don't have any. You know, Brandon Montour. They love the two-way defenseman. <laughs> yeah, and even the guys they thought were going to be offensive defensemen didn't turn out to be them. Cam Fowler didn't turn out to be a 40-50 point defenseman. Brandon Montour didn't turn out to be that guy. So hopefully, I mean, the NHL's trending in a different direction where I think it's it's getting easier to tell which defensemen are going to be able to put up points at the NHL level, and that's why they go mm-hmm. some of these smaller defensemen are going so high in the draft when you look at Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes and, and obviously, like I mentioned, Jamie Drysdale this year and guys who would probably never ever even get drafted or being considered for first and second round picks. There's this Swedish defenseman who plays, I think, in the Alveskin, which is uh, just below the Swedish Hockey League. His name's Emil Of course Andre. you would know that. He's a, his name's Emil Andre. He's five foot eight, left shot defenseman. And he's being considered as high as like the twentieth overall pick because he just has his offensive abilities are great. But imagine ten years ago, this guy's five eight as a defenseman. He wouldn't even get drafted. He wouldn't even be He's considered. the Johnny Hockey at defense. He would be on <laughs> he'd be on no one's board. But you like there are I think there's probably five defensemen that could go in the first three rounds that are below five ten. And a couple of them are being touted as first-round prospects, and primarily just because of their offense, because guys like Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr, among others, have kind of paved the way for smaller defensemen to be successful in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the league is just showing that they're they're allowing those types of players to come in. They don't get brutalized like they used to in the past, and you don't you don't have to be six foot two, two twenty to make to make the league anymore. Yeah, no. He, you, Smaller up front, and, and sm- the, the NHL has been trending to smaller for 
for a long time. I mean, there are still bigger players who can make it into the league, but there's no there's no longer the old school power forward who he was just big and could fire the fire a puck, but he wasn't there wasn't much skill there. Like the power forwards who come into the league now are are even more dominant than you could think of in the past. Like a guy like Quentin Byfield is likely going to go second overall. He's a big kid. He's 6'4", 220 pounds. But he's got the skill of a guy who's like 5'11", 5'10". Like the the puck control mm-hmm. and, and the speed and the explosiveness. Like those are the new age power forwards you're going to get. Which is going to be scary when like half the league is under 5'11". You've got a guy who's 6'4", who has the <laughs> same same amount of skill as those guys. It's going to be like you know Eric Lindros or Evgeny Malkin in terms of those guys just being big massive guys with just elite level skill mm-hmm. no and that's you all i've always liked players like that those are my favorite type the power forward and for other kind of like where are these guys in the league there's not too many guys you look at and you think like that anymore um i mean we talked to this before in the show like jamie ben ryan getzloff alex Vechkin, from the previous gen right now looking at this new generation you don't really see a lot of those guys coming in but he fits the bill perfectly yeah, no, no, exactly. Um, that's it for our roster projection. Uh, we'll clean up the show with a bit of news here, um, just kind of around the league and, and you know a few things that have been going on around the Ducks and, and some of their players. But for pretty much everybody's heard, I'm, I'm assuming, is the AHL canceled the rest of their season. Disappointing not only for Gulls fans, but for, for the entire uh, American Hockey League. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, a bit surprising that they did it this early, especially with the NHL saying they're nowhere close to making any decisions. Um, I'm not super surprised that they, they canceled it. Like, I felt like they were always probably going to do it. It's not as big of a draw, and money's not as big of a thing, I would say, in terms of the amount of money involved for the AHL and the NHL. But it, it definitely it definitely hurts teams, and it can hurt smaller market teams like the San Diego Gulls, who were drawing a ton of people to games and were hopefully primed to go on a long playoff run. Like, they miss out on all that revenue that they could have got. Yeah, and now they're saying, what, you know, what, do you, what does that mean for San Diego, right? Um, I, it's going to be a really odd thing if the league comes back and decides to play regular season games and there's no AHL. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Doesn't, what it doesn't that kind of force the league into going straight to playoffs? It, it pretty much does. I mean, the AHL is in a weird position anywhere right now because they have so much transition. There's teams like um, like Carolina who randomly dropped Charlotte as their AHL team to go with a different one. Vegas is finally getting their own AHL team in Henderson. Seattle's team in Palm Springs is getting ready to get built and, and ready to go, not for the upcoming year, but for 2021, 2022, that they're going to be ready to play. And there's a few other teams that are without AHL affiliates right now because the, mm-hmm. the deals they have expired and, and they're looking to to get more things. And, and you know, Matt Zavant, who's the director of business operations for the San Diego Gulls, he was asked on, on what you know what's going to happen for next season. And he basically said he just doesn't know. Like he has no idea what the future holds for the AHL, for the goals, and and what's moving forward to next season. Because a lot of it, in in some way, depends on what happens with the NHL. Like you can play an AHL well, season without the NHL, but anybody who signed an NHL contract isn't likely going to be able to play. So they they coincide, and and they both kind of need to be happening for an mm-hmm. AHL season to begin. And if the NHL doesn't begin to until December, you kind of force the AHL's hand into having to start in December too. 
Like they can't just start in October yep. and their seasons run at different times. Like they pretty much have to start at almost the exact same time. You know, like I'm coming back and say NBA. There's going to be, I like, like they're just going to fall to that sport. What the NBA does, the NHL is going to follow. The B superstars had like a giant conference, all a bunch of guys and already come back. So that's the case, and this gets pushed to happening rather than later, and they go straight to playoffs. I would not be shocked if the scouts were doing. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, the NBA will probably lead the way. I think the problem with that is is the NBA is so player driven. Like you've got high high profile guys like LeBron James among others who are basically saying like we'll play now. Like let's get this back going on. I don't think the yeah. players have as much pull. Uh, in the NHL as NBA players do have in the NBA. Um, I think the NHL is going to hold out as long as they can in, in terms of trying to get regular season games played and, and trying, if not that, to deal straight to playoffs and trying to get the draft out. And I think there's so many more wrinkles that the NHL has to deal with here in, in terms of how their structure is going to go. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's not, I don't want to say it's easier in the NBA, but you can I think it's easier to set up a playoff structure in terms of like the parody in the NBA isn't exactly the same as the NHL. There's less parody. There's a few good teams and then some okay teams and there's some really bad teams. Like you can put together a tournament style with, you know, the 16 teams in the NBA, and it's not going to be as unfair as it is to the NHL right now when you look at some of the playoff formats and the Ducks are making the playoffs in, in some of these formats, and you've got teams missing out by, like, point zero zero one points percentage. Like, you're not getting that same thing over there. So the NHL has a really tough decision in, in terms of where they're going to go, and we'll have to wait and see how that happens. Hopefully we get some news on something, whether it's playoff format or draft or something upcoming, but... Uh, I, I know here um, they just extended the state of emergency in Ontario until June 2nd, which means you can't have gatherings of more than five uh, until June 2nd. And so if, if sports do come back, there's definitely going to be no fans. July, L.A. did it till July. So it's yeah. crazy times, man. We'll see if they even get it done. Let's have a question that Dave asked. What will be the star uh, have a playoff run under the COVID format. <laughs> the plastic, I think we pretty much we pretty much figured it out, right? That um, well, all these guys would hopefully be healthy because, like, right now uh, they better be. Branson still hurt. Fowler's still hurt. Branson's still hurt. So I would, I'd hope by now they're all healthy and ready to go. So it probably would be Lintel, Manson, Fowler, Branson, and Juice, and then whoever you want to throw in there, whether because Delzato would still be eligible, so he might get a nod. Larson. Um, you know, with the AHL season done, like you've got all these guys at your disposal. Not only do you have Gouli, Mahura, Hackenpella, Delzato, you've got Weidman, you've got Benoit, who you could throw in there. So the Ducks would have a ton of options. I'm not sure how available those guys would be if they were to, you know, because they weren't called up beforehand and what the rules would be around that. But even if they weren't, you would still have, uh, you know, a, f- a few guys available. But I, I think five of those spots are locked if everybody's healthy. And then it all depends on who goes in that that last bottom six spot, whether it's Larson or Delzato or or G- Gouli or Irwin, whoever they want to throw in there. Yeah, I mean, if everyone's it's the lineup we already just said for sure. If everyone's hurt, then you're like, man, do we really even need to go to the playoffs? <laughs> they, don't know, they don't need to go to the playoffs anyway. They should not be yeah. in the playoffs. They should forfeit their spot if that if that, they go with that format to the, the Rangers or somebody yeah. who deserves to be there. 
Yeah, no, I know. It just I think it'd be fun if they if they had some wacky format where everyone had a a playing game to see if they made it to whatever. And it, I would love to see Trevor Zegers play though. Like that would be the only reason I'd want to see the Ducks play more hockey this year is to see Trevor Zegers play. No, you don't want to see David Back play. No, I'm good. <laughs> I've, got, I've seen enough. He's years. David Back is so. from like ten years ago. Sure. Sure. Yeah, when he was twenty six, not thirty six. Yeah, when he was putting up big numbers for the Blues. Uh, but that's that's it for what we have for today. We have a couple. I think what we had um, for a Patreon show is now being a regular show. The thirty plus show is that a regular show now? That should be a Patreon show that we'll do live on Twitch for the for everybody, and then it'll go to just recording only for Patreon. That's okay. what we've been doing with our Patreon shows anyway. Yeah, so we have a show coming out for for Patreon uh, where the four of us, so me, Pat, Jason, and Keith, had to create a lineup of thirty plus players. There was a we'll get, go into the kind of the details on thirty that years old. Yeah, thirty, 30 years, years old. Thirty years or older. There was some kind of restrictions on when they signed their contracts and how many years they had left to kind of bring it down to you know excluding guys like Kane and Taves and and some of the guys who signed their contracts when they were 22 and they look like really good deals now so it was basically a a lot of very bad contracts mixed with some good players and we're trying to put together the best lineups we're going to have that show we're going to rip apart each other's lineups and then we're going to have those lineups created at NHL 20 and they're going to face off against each other uh and then we'll figure out who actually had the ultimate lineup um, Pat seems to think his lineup is is miles better than mine. I don't. I don't know about miles. It's miles better than Keith and Jason's, and I haven't even seen theirs yet. So <laughs> there's just no way they're going to pick a better team than me. And, and you're going to lose. Like you'd lose in Game Seven in overtime. Like your team's going to be decent, but it's just not going to be better than mine. Hey, it's uh, it's going to be a one game wins all kind of tournament. Uh, we'll have we'll have a seating. We'll randomize a seating where one of us will like my team will play Pat's team or something. Keith's team will play Jason's team. The winner of those will play each other in a final game, and then uh, we'll determine who has the best team. So it's you, you don't even get a seven game series. It's just one one and done. So anybody could have a shot. Uh, even and this is what you get when we're on quarantine podcast. You get something ridiculous where we're gonna put together a, 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 a just the stupidest team possible and then simulate it on NHL 20 live. So <laughs> at least we had enough news for this show. Like this show wasn't bad. We had a lot of, no, I love it, man. And I, and I'm stoked on that over 30. I'm yeah, so we've stoked. Been to trying be, to, we've been posters. promising that in a Patreon for the last little bit, but we're, we want all four of us to be on that show so we can actually break down why we chose this person for a team. So it's been a bit delayed trying to get that out. Uh, also for let's Patreon. let's release the let's release the rules on that show like two days before our show or three days before we do it, um, so like tomorrow and let people send in their teams. That All would right. be cool. Yeah, and, and so we can compare them. Yeah, so if you guys want to send in your teams uh, for the thirty plus tournament that we're doing, then just uh, stay tuned to social media. Uh, we'll let you know when we're going to do that show and when you can kind of send in your lineups uh, to us, and we'll read them off in the show and, and probably rip them apart. <laughs> so who's, who's, who's lineup is going to be the best uh, also for Patreon we do have Pucks and Brews coming up again um, so if you're not on Patreon and you want to check that out make sure you go to our uh, patreon.com slash puckguysforevermighty uh, it, it's our most popular show on Patreon we have a lot of fun setting that up so we talk not just Ducks hockey but hockey in general and obviously right now uh, 
probably a, a lot of other things other than hockey. We pretty much just shoot the shit about whatever on that show, and obviously we have some drinks along the way, so that, uh, that's a lot of fun. So if you're on Patreon and you've seen that show again, look forward to that. If not, make sure you go check it out. And then we'll probably have a couple more regular shows uh, before the end of the month. I know we're halfway through May here, so we'll try and pump one out every every week or every two weeks as we can as the news becomes available so make sure uh, you guys stay tuned for that and for everybody who came on live today thanks uh, for joining in i know it was a bit of a short notice and we kind of put the show out and yeah. had it ready to go in a couple hours but uh, we appreciate you guys coming out and joining the show see you next week